In this podcast, I'm going to talk about J.B. Priestley, who is the author of our play, An Inspector Calls. Now, Priestley, a lot of people might say I've never heard of J.B. Priestley, but actually, he was a very prolific English novelist. If you're prolific at something, it means you write abundantly, you write lots of things. So he actually had written in his lifetime many different things. So I was writing novels, he was a playwright, he was an essayist, and he was noticed for his varied output and his ability to cleverly characterise people in his books and in his plays. And he had a collection of more than a hundred plays and books and this has really guaranteed him a lasting place in English literature, in particular in the 20th century English literature. He was also a broadcaster and he was a social commentator. So he commented, he was quite vociferous about what was happening in society and how things were unjust in his opinion. Some of the books that he wrote, you may or may not have heard of these, but he wrote a classic book called Time and the Conways. Obviously, we've got our play and Inspector Calls. He wrote another well-read book called Angel Pavement. And he also wrote and produced the film Last Holiday. Now, one of his best-selling ever novels was a book called The Good Companions. And that was published in 1929. And up until today, it's never been out of print. So it's nearly 100 years and the book is still in print, which is just amazing. Now, in his early years, J.B. Priestley would spend whatever little money he earned on buying books. And he tried his hand at writing in lots of different styles because he knew all along that that was what he wanted to pursue. Now, he was born on the 13th of September in 1894 in Bradford. And his mother died when he was only two years old. He went to the, a local Bellevue Grammar School and he left school at 16. And in 1910, he went ahead to work as a junior clerk at Helm and Company, which was a firm that specialised in wool. And he worked at the firm for four years. And at that time, whilst he was working there, he wrote short articles that had been published in local newspapers. But then at the onset of World War One, in 1914, Priestley joined the army. And he served in the 10th Battalion, the Duke of Wellington's regiment. And I sometimes think people forget that he was in the same era of some of the war poets that we've studied. You know, but let's remember, he set the play in 1912, even though he wrote an Inspector Calls in 1945. He'd set it in 1912, so we obviously had some idea of what was happening in the world in 1912. In 1916, he was severely wounded and despite being buried alive by a trench mortar explosion and being gassed, he actually survived five years in France and came away relatively unscathed physically. But the experience of war had changed him psychologically and mentally forever. Like Wilfred Owen, who was one of the poets we've looked at in the poetry anthology, Priestley had witnessed the horrors of the front 
and also the social inequalities between the men and the officers. And much later on, he wrote a book called Margin Released, which was his memoirs, his recollections of his time and experiences in the war. And one of the things he said in that book, I'm going to read it to you now. So he said that the British command specialised in throwing men away for nothing. The tradition of an officer class defying both imagination and common sense killed most of my friends as surely as if those cavalry generals had come out of the chateau with polo mallets and beaten their brains out. You can call this class prejudice if you like, so long as you remember that I went into the war without any such prejudice, free of any class feeling. But no doubt I came out of it with a chip on my shoulder, a big heavy chip, probably some friend's thigh bone. And what he's saying here is, you know, if we think about that thing he says at the beginning about throwing men away. If you think about in Wilfred Owen's poem, you talk about the men being flung. You've got that whole idea of people being dismissed. And J.B. Priestley felt the same. He was, he was angry with what he'd seen. And he said when he'd gone to war, he had no idea of what different classes were. He just thought people were people. And the war had changed him and he didn't like what he'd seen. So, you know, he, he was a staunch socialist and he believed that people should be treated fairly and equally. And I think his experience of the war added to that, really. Now, after he'd completed his military service, his home city of Bradford would never be the same for him because many of his friends had been killed and many of them had been in the... Bradford Pals, which was a battalion that had been destroyed at the Battle of the Somme. So he decided to go to university and he attended Trinity College in Cambridge. And in 1922, he graduated in English. And following that, he decided to focus on writing and he moved to London where he worked as a journalist. And he established a reputation initially writing essays. Before he got into writing novels, he'd write essays. In 1927, he wrote his first novel that was called Adam in Moonshine. But he'd found the 1920s, those years of hard work, were a struggle for him to make a living. But all the way through, he almost said that he had a sense of survivor's guilt, that he felt he had to make something of his life. So no matter how hard it was for him, he thought, I've got to do this because so many other people that he knew so many other people of his own age, people that he perceived as being better men than he had been, had been killed in the war. So he felt he owed them something as well. And that was a big driving force with him. Now, once he'd been published as an author, he, he almost got a bit of a celebrity status. Not like celebrity as we know it now, but it gave him a platform to share his concerns and his social concerns about what was happening in society. And... He travelled around England and as he travelled around, he'd witnessed just the extremes. You know, he'd gone to parts of rural England and parts of north, north of England where he'd seen lots of deprivation and lots of industries declining in the cities. And then equally, he'd seen the glamour and this Americanisation of this modern buzzing city of London. And that didn't sit 
well with him. He couldn't rationalise, he couldn't accept this difference in society. And that was a, again, it, it drove him forward with things. He, he wanted to know why there was this divide. You know, we were all equal, we were all responsible for each other. Now, during the Second World War, um, Priestley's fame rose to new heights. And this was largely thanks to his BBC radio broadcast called The Postscripts. And these used to be published on a Sunday evening, after the news on a Sunday evening. And in his first one, on the 5th of June 1940, um, he helped create the account, the narrative of the Dunkirk evacuation. And he paid tribute to all the boats that were going out that, to save lives on that day of the 6th of June. So he'd, he was telling the narrative really before. And his weekly broadcast had a wide audience and they provided morale boosting and homely and light-hearted reflections on the war. And these continued throughout the war, throughout the, the Blitz. Now, during all of this time, Priestley took an active part in debate that went on in Britain throughout the war about whether it was appropriate to discuss what should happen afterwards. And then, if so, what should it be that happened afterwards? And he used this time on the postscripts to influence other people's opinions on his on this issue and what he thought was an important issue as well. And he was calling for a better, fairer society after the war was over. Now, interestingly, our player Inspector Coles was born out of this tumultuous wartime debate about society. But Priestley said that many years before, he'd thought about using a mysterious inspector in a play or in a book, but he hadn't quite worked out what he was going to do. And he'd gone to uh, back to Bradford and he'd had um, a regimental reunion just with the few people that were left from his regiment. And he was outraged to learn that some of his fellow veterans were too poor to afford evening clothes to attend the event. And he just was angry because he said they'd given their health and their futures and everything that they had for a society that he perceived just didn't even care about them. And this righteous moral anger we'd see again in Inspector Calls. And he said that his main aim in writing in Inspector Calls was to highlight the problems in society and the need for collective social responsibility. If we think about the play, it almost embodies his Priestley's reasons for calling for this new and vital democracy by showing the personal consequences of a selfish society and the future that would result if lessons were not learned about being responsible for each other. And he's quoted as saying, part of the reason I wrote this play was to teach people that their everyday actions could be a very, could have a very serious impact on others' lives. I'm showing this inconsiderate actions and decisions to show that people can make them without thinking that they can have serious after effects. I was also trying to show through this play that conservative people, in other words, people with very traditional values who think that things should just be in a natural order, 
should be open to change. And that by demonstrating these conservative, traditional style people more clearly, society would hopefully realise just how bad it can be. He said that sometimes people became blind to the morals and he wanted the audience to really, really think about the morals and what was right and wrong. And he said, finally, I wrote the play to make a point about the upper, upper class and how they're treated lower class people. The upper class think that they are better than lower classes of people. Now, as he was writing in Inspector Carl's, Britain was planning to introduce the welfare state and further down the line, the National Health Service. And if you think the welfare state, that could have helped vulnerable people like Eva Smith. But until then, she was completely dependent on the whims of the rich. You know, if you think, the inspector says, doesn't he, there are millions and millions and millions of Eva Smiths and John Smiths still left with us. And if you think about it, class and welfare and poverty are still really controversial issues today. And I suppose maybe they always will be, but Priestley's saying to us in the play, well, should we just accept that? You know, we need to all collectively stand up and say, no, this is not right. And then an inspector calls poses troubling questions for us, really. You know, how can people live together? And to what extent are individuals responsible for each other? You know, people often say, well, you're only responsible for your own actions but and yourself. But no, we're responsible for each other as well. Now, interestingly, because of the ravages of World War Two, there were no suitable theatres available in London for him to when he first wrote and wanted to show the production of an inspector calls. So he sent the script to a Russian translator, friend of his, um, because his work had already been popular in what was the Soviet Union then, now what we'd call Russia. And consequently, an inspector calls was first seen by audiences in theatres in Leningrad and in Moscow. And then it came to London and toured Europe and then ended up at a theatre in London called The Old Vic. Now in 1942, Priestley, we said earlier on that he was a socialist, he was quite a political activist really. He was co-founder of the Socialist Commonwealth Party and that aimed to support the three principles of vital democracy, common ownership and morality in politics. And the political content of his broadcasts and his hopes for a new and different Britain after the war influenced the politics of the time and incidentally helped the Labour Party gain its landslide victory in the 1945 general election. In 1958, Priestley became a member of the campaign for nuclear disarmament. He was very against the use of nuclear weapons. 
and again he was quite vociferous and was quite happy to stand up and be counted sharing his views about all of that. He was married three times and he had five children but in later life, in his later years, he suffered from depression and he died on the 14th of August 1984 in England aged 89 and his characteristic pose was him carrying or stood with his trademark pipe that's how a lot of people remember if you think about J.B. Priestley that's how a lot of people in the literary world would think about him so prolific writer social activist political activist, person who was prepared to be stood up and be counted, felt that we were all responsible for each other. So hopefully that just gives you a little bit of context that will help as we look at and we're studying the play.